Welcome to Breitbart News Daily. Thanks for being here. Coming up in a little bit, we're going to talk to the Breitbart legal analyst, Ken Klukowski, who this morning was standing in line to get inside the Supreme Court to hear the oral arguments about the Donald Trump insurrection case. Can he even appear on the ballot? And uh, he's predicting a, well, I won't give it away. You can hear Ken uh, in a little bit. It's great stuff. You, you won't get that analysis anywhere else, literally. No one else, no, no media outlet will tell you anything about the 14th Amendment and the third clause and the history of it and who wrote it and what it originally said and what they meant. No analysis anywhere else, which is um, it's unfortunate, but I'm glad we can do it here. Uh, so we'll do that next. First, I want to play this for you. Yesterday, we talked about personal responsibility and, uh, you know, with all this, so this ties into that. Also, all this border talk, it's hard to go to the place that all of this is being done on purpose. But after all this border talk the last few days, you can't fail this bad. You just can't. And if you just let yourself think for a moment that instead this is being done on purpose, you realize that these people doing it are actually succeeding. They're crushing it. They're doing great. And it all makes a lot more sense. So that's true with the border and it's true with this topic as well. good amount of time talking about the oral arguments that are taking place today in front of the Supreme Court. This is about the 14th Amendment Clause 3, the Colorado case that's keeping him off the ballot, saying you can't even vote for him because Donald Trump led an insurrection. And we talked to Ken Kukowski, who's in line right now to get into the Supreme Court. And uh, he's like, oh, nine nothing. Trump will win this. <laughs> that maybe, maybe eight to one. And the left... Could you could you imagine when this ruling comes out for the Supreme Court? The left will be apoplectic. They will freak out, freak out that this insurrectionist court dare side with uh, with, with this uh, Nazi. <laughs> Nine nothing potentially. We'll see. Leon is in South Dakota. What's going on, Leon? Hi, Mike. Thank you for having me. Um. That gentleman you had on was talking about all those that were disqualified by the uh, 14th Amendment. But don't be surprised if Chief Justice Roberts puts in his own two cents. If you recall on Obamacare, he defined the penalty as a tax, and therefore the law went through. Yeah, that's right. And the tax was something that wasn't argued in court. Leon, could you let me be excited for one minute? All right, we just had Ken Klukowski on. He said he thinks it's gonna be a nine nothing. I got fired up, and then you have to come in here and remind me <laughs> about, you know, the, the all the other times we get betrayed <laughs> and knifed in the back. I know it'll Sorry probably we probably will, Leon. Let me be happy for a minute. Uh, <laughs> okay, no, I'm It'll joking. be nine zero then. That's right. There you go. Thank you very much. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course thanks <laughs> thanks leon um real quick the argument real quick just i know i'm repeating it if you if you listen last hour but it's it's good to know and no one else will tell we'll talk about this uh literally article 14 clause 3 it starts with no person shall be a senator or representative in congress 
or elector of vice a president or vice president it doesn't even say president <laughs> president isn't even on the list of things you can't hold if you engaged in an insurrection it you they put it in there first and then they took it out they they act they put it in and then they actively took it out because they said well geez if if, if the whole of the united states wants to elect robert e lee to be president one day we're not going to take that right away from them and they took it out and it's not there and every other amendment where it lists offices it starts with president and then and they and originally they had it starting as president they took it out that's it that's all you need to know it doesn't even apply to donald trump and that's why he thinks it's going to be uh a nine nothing and then leon has to come in here <laughs> all right so that's pretty good so uh we talked all about that in the last uh let's see here oh did you see uh on the front of breitbart.com there's a, a wonderful video of a women's college volleyball game in Toronto. When it comes to particular social uh, uh, ales or ills, I suppose, uh, you can just look to Canada, and they're just a little bit ahead of us. They had a women's volleyball match where there were not one, not two or three or four, but five transgendered men playing <laughs> <laughs> five and there's this fan i think if we have on the tv side i think we may have a, a picture of it here it's it's unbelievable to see not only the five dudes clearly dudes playing in the window but the camera pans over to all the girls on the sidelines sitting there not playing because the dudes are on the team it's great breitbart.com you can uh you can see it uh for yourself by the way, we're uh, simulcasting the show on the First TV, FirstTV.com, First TV app, 347 on DirecTV, Roku, uh, Pluto, all the other streaming sites as well. This is actually a pretty good segue. So the slippery slope. Yesterday we told the story, three stories, of school, essentially school shootings. But the point of it was to to put pressure on and challenge your personal responsibility principles how far do you take the idea of personal responsibility it was very interesting something happened yesterday in the whole first hour all the calls i think all maybe except for one were the parents are responsible and then we it i didn't bring it up again like we just had a bunch of calls that stuck on the line even though we, we had a different interview in between. anyway we took more calls on it in the second hour and every single call said no parents are not responsible very interesting a total shift total complete shift and i wonder why that's the case but we ended up <clears throat> ending up on a uh, with a lot of slippery slope arguments and i was reminded that the slippery slope is real and it's not only real it's undefeated a lot of people call it the slippery slope fallacy like that's not a real thing and i'm here to tell you that it is not only a real thing it is the only thing uh, because of course, if you let one transgender dude play in a women's volleyball match, why not have five, <laughs> right? And one day it'll just be all dudes playing, right? Uh, I got another one for you. John Carney, remember John Carney yesterday? He said, if, if parents are responsible for the crimes of their children, he said one day, a parent could be held responsible for the speech of a child or the hate speech 
of a child. Since you got to watch out for that. So I've never thought of that. Very cynical. Very, very dark. John Carney, business editor of Breitbart.com. Very dark. Check this one out out of Ukraine. Ukraine is thinking about drafting another 500,000 citizens. 500,000 people. Sending them off to their death, quite frankly. And if you don't abide by the draft, then the government will freeze all, or either freeze all your assets or take all your money. And you think, well, hold on. How does the government have access to all of your money? Ah, it's very simple. In 2019, before the latest invasion here, Ukraine, in conjunction with the World Economic Forum, developed the State in Smartphone app. That's what it's called, State in Smartphone. You can Google it. And they open this up to great fanfare. They're, ah, they're on the cutting edge. Ukraine is on the cutting edge of digital connection with its citizens. This is from a Harvard University article praising this great technological leap forward. The vision of the ministry. Do we have any ministries in the American government? That just is a, like a sinister sound to it, doesn't it? Do we like the ministry of whatever? I don't like that at all. The vision of the ministry is to build the most convenient digital state in the world. It's convenient. It's convenient, don't you know? To build the most convenient digital state in the world without bureaucracy, absolutely paperless, and without the need to visit government offices. Every, all, all the tyrannies in America will be presented to you as uh, easier. Always, always. Everything will always be easier, more convenient. Uh, and that's why they try to make things as oppressive as possible to make that argument even better. Anyway, the big idea is that the state should work quickly, conveniently, and with a few clicks like Uber or Airbnb. Okay? So everyone in Ukraine is like, great. This is awesome. It's so convenient. So everyone linked their bank accounts to this government app in order to more conveniently pay their taxes and, and bills and whatnot. So now, if you don't comply with the draft... All your money's gone. It was there in the fine print. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Brilliant. Like, brilliant, these people. And right now, it's, oh, well, uh, you're a slater, you should abide by it. And if you don't abide by the draft, there should be consequences if you don't abide. Okay, well, it'll be whatever else next time, right? Because the slippery slope isn't just real. It is undefeated. So that's why I am default against everything. <laughs> whatever you present to me, it's a, it's a hard no. And you, you have to tell me, you have to give me a great cause as to why the slippery slope does not apply here. Because all I see everywhere around me, we're, we're sliding. Every, every, every single place I look, we're on the slope right now. And it's just uh, how steep is it at the moment? Let me give you, can I give you the ultimate slippery slope? And then I want to kind of halfway pivot. The ultimate slippery slope, and this one's this is a tough one to hear. This is a tough one to hear. Ron Paul was against, remember this was in, when did he run, 2008? Ron Paul was against building the wall because he said the wall is a slippery slope because at first we build the wall to keep people out. 
but eventually walls are used to keep people in. Dun, dun, dun. But maybe I'm not prepared to think about that one. Yeah, Dr. Paul. All right, you ready for um, ready for a thing here? Ready for this? One of my one of my pet peeves. That's no, more than a pet peeve. A pet peeve is like a silly little thing. This is this is one of the great travesties of our country. Uh, in Illinois, we got some new numbers out here. In Illinois, there are fifty three schools. Fifty three schools. Where not a single student can do math. Not a single, not one kid passed the state math exam. In 30 schools, not a single student passed the reading exam. Zero. Zero kids are proficient. You couldn't possibly fail more than this, could you? Could you do worse? Could you, If you were running a school, could you do a worse job than no one passing the test? If the goal is to educate, how could you do worse? And you say, oh, Slater, come on. I'm sure you're cherry picking the, the 53 <laughs> of the schools. Uh, that's not fair. It's like, okay, uh, uh, you have very low standards, but okay. Um, so there are 622 schools in Illinois where less than 10% of the students can read. Less than 10% of the students can read. 622 schools. That's 20% of all the schools in Illinois. 20% of all the schools in Illinois. Less than 10% of the students in those schools can read. Only one, one in 10, one in 10 can, can, uh, can read. Nine out of 10 can't read. Nine out of 10 can't read. Uh, we'll say that we need to spend more money. $35,000 a year per student. $35,000 a year. Now, what's extra fun is that Illinois has a state rating system for the schools. And there's four, four levels to the rating. Right? High to low. These schools, many of these schools, are rated as commendable by the Illinois State Board of Education. That's the second highest of the four ratings. So they're doing great. One of the schools is Sandoval Senior High School. They have 113 students. Not one of them. Can, has passed the math or reading exam, not one, and the school is rated as commendable. <laughs> and uh, and it's fine. Now, here, here's my main point I want to make about this other than just bringing it to your attention. While we're in this, 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 dark, <laughs> this dark, super cynical place, you, you look at this because you're a good person. And you think, wow, what an absolute failure. I can't, because it doesn't make any sense. Like, how could this go on? How could they, like, how could they be open today? Like, I don't, like, what do you mean? Like, 
It doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense how you could fail this badly. In no other realm of life could you fail. In no other realm of life could could a restaurant poison every single person who goes in and or like you know what I mean like, like or you go you have a restaurant and and they have served no food today. Like, I don't even know. Like there's no parallel to this in any reality at all. How could they be such a failure? How could this be possible? And your brain can't comprehend it. And the only thing to me that makes sense is maybe they think they're succeeding just fine. Maybe this is all going perfectly according to plan. And that's a very dark thought, isn't it? Maybe this is going swimmingly because if you can't read, you can't think. If you can't read and you can't think, you can't make arguments against anything. You just have to go with what you're told. If you can't do math, then you certainly can't calculate tax rates. And you can't analyze the government uh, when when the government gives you uh, the COVID uh, R naught of a virus <laughs> or the R naught. Right? You're like, what? I can't do math. I don't even know what you're talking. You can't you can't calculate the probability of anything. You can't you can't think. The other day we were talking about the inversion of things. This is this is the ultimate inversion of a thing. A school is meant to educate, and instead these places really, what they're actually meant to do is to make you dumb. And by that standard, they're crushing it. By by the by the natural standard that you would assume, they're they're you couldn't fail more. So like that can't be it. That can't educating can't possibly be their goal. You you couldn't fail worse. But if their goal is to make kids unable to think then they're doing amazing now listen maybe that's too dark for you that's fine if that's too cynical like oh no way slater's okay fine even in the end we don't have to talk intention maybe the intention of it is making you uncomfortable fine but in the end the people in charge love it they love it the lefties love people being stupid it's just like slave owners didn't want their slaves to read. This isn't rocket surgery. The elites love people being stupid. Slater, it's not rocket surgery. It's rocket science. Brain surgery. I know. Do you know there's a, uh, there's a song right now? Song out there. Uh, do you ever scroll down to the music on the Sirius XM, like the like the current music? There's a song by this, this like like the, one of the famous people today, like the big popular person called uh, Ice Spice. Is that it, producer Zach? I feel like you're a big Ice Spice fan. Is that is that this person's name? Okay, <laughs> don't act like you don't like you don't have her album. The one who I I don't know, uh, they all do. Again, the slippery slope. Uh, she has a song called "You Think You the S Word." I said, "Can we? Uh, we need an excuse our language moment here. Just ten seconds." You think you the S Word? 
you not even the fart. Now, if that were a, a uh, Weird Al Yankovic song and it was done with, with irony to be funny or something, I'd be like, okay. That's not. It's done like totally, like, m- like full sincerity, straight out of idiocracy. This is what we call music. Isn't that amazing? So the point of that, the point of that, no, 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 no. Okay, so again, you may not like intention. Fine, fine. You may not like intent. I do, but you, you may not like. Whether it's the intent or it's the end goal, the end goal is to obviously make you stupider. It has to be. Let me pull this video up I saw the other day. It's from North Korea. All right, check this out. This is, I didn't know this. I didn't know they did this until, until I just saw this the other day. In North Korea, every morning, they play a song. They play a song over the, uh, over like the loudspeakers throughout the city. <laughs> All right. And the song is called, uh, Where Are You? Dear General. And it was written by Kim Jong-il. Kim Jong-il, who, by the way, on his first round of golf, 18 holes, his very first, the first time the guy picked up a club, he gets out there, he scored a 26 on his first round of golf. I don't know, I, I'm not good at math. I don't know how many holes in one that is, but it's a lot. He did great. His first round, it was fantastic. And this guy's a beautiful lyricist and uh, musician as well. So each morning at 6 a.m., this is the wake-up call at the Capitol. All right, you ready for this? So it's, I'm, I'm going to start like 40 seconds in or so because it's like a, it's a long intro here. But this is this is uh, about 30 seconds in. What? That's the song that reverberates through Pyongyang every morning. Blasted through the loudspeakers of the city. Are you kidding me? Rise and shine. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. That that is done entirely to control you. It's no, that's that's not control. That's meant to destroy you. That song is meant to inject misery upon you the very moment you wake up and to assert dominance over you and to make you miserable and therefore easier to subject because life is meaningless and awful. And if I may, that is what the left does to our kids as well with music. Right, maybe our music isn't as blatantly dystopian as that, but like kind of, and, 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 <laughs> like it's pretty awful. Uh, but it's just that, like, like that that intentionality. It's that's like menacingly bad. That's like that's that, that is an evil. <laughs> that's like that's like that's like kind of a movie. That's horrible, and it's real life. That's what they really do. 
so yes, it's a friendly reminder here to include some beauty in your life and actual real music, yes. But do you see my point about intentionally keeping people down? That's what that music in North Korea is meant to do. It is meant to, to oppress you. And I can only come to the conclusion, I, I, it's the only thing that makes sense, is that the point is to keep you illiterate. Because that is oppressing you on purpose. What? What? How? Uh, you, okay, fine. You want you want to call in and make the case? No, no, Slater. They're trying their darndest. <laughs> they're really doing the best they can to teach kids. It's not that hard to read. You got a four-year-old who can read. Like, like you can do it. Not that hard. So if you're if you cannot, and if you have a system where you have schools of hundreds and hundreds of kids in them, and none of them can read. You cannot make the argument they're doing their best. And they're just ah, missing the mark. We missed our goal. What's your goal? One kid. We just want one kid to know how to read. You cannot fail that hard and try. It has to be on purpose. Am I, is that too far? No, maybe it is. Again, if it's too far, it's too far. But in the end, it's just as oppressive. And in the end, the elites love it. Because what, are those people going to ask questions? <laughs> right? So I think I played this yesterday. This is, this is, these are college kids. This is Kennesaw State. What is 15 times 4? 15 times 4. Oh, gosh. <laughs> or it's 23. 23? Even if you did 15 plus 4. 23? Where did you get 23? 23. Where, where in your brain? How did you put 23? 23. All right, so that's the one whose brain doesn't work. Your brain isn't working. You cannot. So again, that person is never going to question anything the government ever does to them. 48, 48, 48. It's 48. I would say 48. I'll say 48. 48. Right, and that's what happens when you're, when you're done, when you can't think too. You just go with what the crowd does. Right, the con like one one woman came in with a confident, oh, it's forty eight, and the other three are like, yeah, done. That's what happens when you can't think. You just go with the crowd. You go whatever, whatever, whatever the most confident person says, whatever the government says. You're like, yeah, that's great, perfect, sure, lockdown until the, uh, okay, sure, we'll lock down, whatever. Welcome back to Breitbart News Daily. Here's the great Ken Klukowski. Ken, good morning, sir. Good morning, Mike. Thanks for having me. Where are you? Uh, at the Supreme Court of the United States. Nice. We're waiting for the we're waiting for the gates to open here for for members of the bar uh, and for the general public. Uh, a long line here of people from the general public. It's uh, it, it, and I'm looking at tents. I'm looking at. Uh, at, at heaters, it looks like people have been here for quite some time. Uh, and then there's a separate line for lawyers who are members of the Supreme Court bar. It is mercifully much shorter. <laughs> Do you know I've never been to the Supreme Court? I've never seen, I've never even seen the Supreme Court. Obviously, I'm looking at a picture now. It is a stunningly beautiful building. 
Well, next time you're in town, let's coordinate, and I'll, I'll get you inside, give you a, a tour of the, the parks that the public has access to. And, nice. Uh, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of beautiful things here. Absolutely. Okay, so what is happening inside the Supreme Court that you are going to witness today? Well, uh, at, uh, at 10 a.m., we will have uh, the argument uh, in Trump v. Anderson, the issue before the justices is whether President Trump is eligible uh, under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to be listed on the ballot for president so that the American people can decide uh, who they want to vote for uh, to be the next commander-in-chief. Okay, so this is the Colorado case where Colorado said uh, Trump can't be on the ballot. This is the insurrection clause. Is that right? Correct. Okay. Yeah, that is correct. So let's let's get our let's uh, jog our memories here again. What is the Colorado claim? Uh, yes, the, the issue here, and the, it was voters who started with the Secretary of State there, and they and the the accusers said, "Hey, you know, Donald Trump engaged in an insurrection, and under Section Three of the Fourteenth Amendment, if you've engaged in insurrection against or rebellion." against the United States, uh, you're disqualified from public office. Again, so they say, and they say that uh, that, that would include president of the United States. And so, uh, and so Trump cannot be on the ballot, that no matter how many tens of millions of people want to vote for him, that, uh, that, that judges can say they don't get that choice. Okay, so, there, who, so who's going to be making that argument in front of the Supreme Court today? All right. Well, there's going to be multiple lawyers arguing. First of all, you you do have the um, you do have uh, the voters themselves. They have a lawyer, uh, and then you also have uh, representative uh, of the state of Colorado, of the Secretary of State, who also participates in argument. Okay. Uh, and then you also have uh, an attorney representing. Uh, former President uh, Donald Trump and the, uh, the the Council of Record, the lead counsel uh, on his team is Jonathan Mitchell, uh, uh, a former law clerk to Justice Antonin Scalia, uh, uh, law professor and the former solicitor general of the state of Texas. Uh, I just Googled his name and the first article that pops up is a New Yorker article, the conservative who wants to bring down the Supreme Court. <laughs> is that... <laughs> is that how you would describe this person? Uh, yeah, no, not quite at all. <laughs> it is uh, uh, certainly uh, the, as with as with any lawsuit. Yeah, I mean, this is Trump derangement syndrome. This is like I think this is like uh, you know phase four or something. Sure. I think this is like the, the worst phase that we're seeing of uh, of of PDF. I think we can say it so often that it can just go by its by its letters at this point. Uh-huh. Uh, obviously, whenever someone has an issue uh, that that is uh, that is a justiciable issue, one that can be adjudicated by the court, uh, then everyone is entitled on all sides to be able to get a good lawyer to do the best possible job of making the written submissions and offering oral arguments to explain their side. I mean, our adversarial system, as it's called. Uh, in uh, in the third branch of government, in the judiciary, is that in order for judges to reach the best result, you want to have good lawyers on both sides 
you yes. know, pulling out all the stops and making the best arguments they can, doing so on the law, doing so on the merit, not, you know, making accusations uh, yeah. against people or impugning their motives. It says here he's argued five cases before the Supreme Court. He was the former solicitor general of Texas and, and one of the guys behind some of the abortion laws in Texas as well. OK, so he's going to did Trump hire him? Is that does he work for Trump? Well, it's uh, uh, Jonathan Mitchell, Professor Mitchell, uh, has has his own law firm, uh, and uh, and he he works on various matters. But yes, I mean, whenever you're representing someone in court, it means that that person that person hired you for that job. Okay. You know, it's a, they are they are your clients, uh, and uh, I mean, he was not you know he did not argue in the lower courts and whatnot. He's a late addition. It is very common. Uh, there, there's like there's there is an what is sometimes referred to as an elite Supreme Court bar. Okay, there are there are I don't know how many thousands of lawyers in the country are members of the Supreme Court bar uh, as as I am, but that but you have a small subset of people uh, who who just have these real spectacular credentials who often are sought after for like high profile sure. momentum. Yeah, you bring in the big guns here. Yeah, you bring in the all-star. Yeah, right. like, we, yeah, exactly we need the best right. of the best. Jonathan Mitchell. Okay, all right, very exciting. Okay, so we talked with a colleague of yours, Gene Scherer, the other day. Uh, yeah. And he made the clearest, simplest, easiest case possible. And I'll just read the opening line of the 14th Amendment, Section 3. No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress. Okay, senator or congressman or elector of president and vice president or hold any office civil or military under the United States. And then if you've engaged in an erection, blah, blah, blah. And everyone's talking about, well, did he engage in an insurrection? Blah, blah. It never says president. It says elector of president and vice president. Trump's not running to be an elector of president or vice president. He's running to be the president. So it's, it's literally not the office of president isn't even in the 14th amendment section three. Has any of the lower courts addressed that issue? And I'm sure that will be a forefront of the oral arguments today. Great questions. And yes, Gene Sher is the managing partner uh, at the law firm that I work. In fact, he's the name partner. The name of the firm is Sher Jaffe. He's one of the, the partners whose name is on the door. Uh, a, a, a truly great lawyer in his own right, also a former law clerk to Justice Scalia and Chief Justice Warren Berger. He's argued seven cases before the Supreme Court. He is part of this elite Supreme Court bar that we were just uh, uh, referencing. Nice. Uh, and yes, he was lead counsel on, on that brief uh, that, that, I, that I was on as well. I'm one of the lawyers on that brief also. Uh, we had the honor of representing three former attorneys general of the United States, Ed Meese, Michael Mukasey, and Bill Barr from the, from the Trump administration. Uh, as well as wow. others and our friends at, uh, at, at the great nonprofit group uh, Citizens United. Uh, but in terms of, yes, there are, there are three broad points that we make in the brief. And in the first one, it is that so this clause specifies who's covered by it and what offices uh, they can be disqualified from. And notwithstanding all that list, president is not listed uh in answer to your yeah it's a senator representative etc you know uh in answer to your question did it come up previously in the lower courts yes and and the courts just kind of glossed over it by saying 
Well, obviously, the presidents included. I mean, and then they and then <laughs> there's a clause. There's a phrase later on in the amendment where it's just referring to civil or military officers uh-huh. under the United States, and they say, "Oh, well, he he is an officer under the United States, or an or a, or an officer of the United States." They're yeah. saying that 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 catch-all phrase at the end includes the president of the United States, that somehow they're like, yeah, we don't need to mention president because we just have this phrase at the end and, you know, everyone in the world will know that, of course, this includes the president. Wow, that's great. Because I, I believe Cher made the point, and help me if I'm wrong, that the people who crafted the 14th Amendment originally put president in the list and then took it out, like actively took it out because they concluded, listen, if the if the whole of the American people want to elect Robert E. Lee or someone else who is in the Confederacy to be the president one day, I, we're not going to take that right away from them. Is that right? It, 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 absolutely right. And uh, it's it, and there's even more to it than that. It's that first of all, yes, because this all took place on the national stage. This was a real big deal. You know, newspapers were writing about it. There were all these big congressional debates, and the newspapers were quoting the debates and whatnot. And so we have these, you know, volumes and volumes of uh, of, of history awesome. uh, on this. In an early draft of the amendment, it started by saying president. It said president before it said senator, representative, etc. It actually listed president. And by the way, that would parallel several other clauses in the Constitution. You have the appointments clause. You have the commission clause. You have the impeachment clause. You have these other uh, clauses in the Constitution that give like a list of offices. And for each one, the president is at the top of the list. And then it like goes down in order. Yeah, they so they wouldn't have put it last. They they wouldn't have put it under the the catch-all Oh, and anything else. They would they would have put it right up in front. This is so well, good. They, like first of all, they would have put it right up front. But secondly, as you read the debates, they were clearly not worried. Just having won the war in bringing the country together, they were not worried about some Confederate general managing to get an overwhelming number of Americans to support him to be the president of the United States. What they were concerned about though was that as they were bringing the southern states back in to the union, that, that, that the voters in those southern states might be electing, for, for lack of a better word, troublemakers uh, to, the, to the U.S. Senate to represent that state or to the U.S. House to represent you know, a group there. Because you'll, you'll recall, in, if any of your listeners have seen the movie Lincoln, great movie, uh, you know, a lot of there's a lot of history in there. It shows how it was just by a razor's edge that Congress managed to get the numbers necessary to propose the 13th Amendment to the states to end slavery. Yes. So, I mean, they just barely had the votes to to move constitutional amendments that could actually get the country past slavery and reunify the country. And the idea was, well, hang on, if, if we're bringing in like Confederate officers here, you know, they're, they're going to be a skunk at the party. You know, they're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're going to be voting against all this and organizing 
opposition to it. And I'll, I'll close with this and, and hand it back to you. And this was not just a, a theoretical concern. First of all, Jefferson Davis had been a U.S. senator until the U.S. Uh, until the Civil War started. Ah. But his vice president, the Confederate vice president, Alexander Stevens, actually got elected to Congress in the U.S. House after the Civil War. So, I mean, this was front and center in front of these members of Congress writing the amendment, is you, you had the Confederate vice president who was now coming to serve in Congress. Now, would, would that have been allowed after the 14th Amendment? No, right? Well, it, it, you see there later on in a part we haven't covered in Section 3, it says that Congress can, uh, by a two-thirds vote, remove yes. the disability Did that they? is imposed uh, on this. Right. But the other reason they would not be able to automatically that he could be disqualified but was not automatically disqualified is that as we say in part two of the brief section three of the 14th amendment is not what's called self-executing congress actually has to pass laws to put together you know a mechanism to to lay out the rules and the process where these claims would be Uh, adjudicated that's in section five of the 14th amendment yes very good and and none of that applies to Donald Trump, which is the main point of this. Um, okay, very good. Well, listen, this is a classic example of uh, the battle between, well, of course they meant, versus, well, look what they wrote. <laughs> so, I mean, we'll see. Uh, uh, Randy Barnett, he said that this case will be decided 8-1 to one or 9 nothing. How do, what do you feel? Give me a little pregame. Listen, we got the Super Bowl coming up here, and we got the Super Bowl of election Supreme Court cases coming up. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, with with the caveat that it's uh, it's an easy way to, to embarrass yourself by making specific <laughs> predictions on the Supreme Court outcome. Um, I believe the most likely outcome uh, is is nine to zero. Wow, oh, unbelievable! More or less than I don't know if that's more than le- or less than fifty percent. I don't know. There might be one dissenter. There might be two. Wow, it's forty percent. Well, what about the low? What about the courts below it? What, what about the court well, just below well, this one? I, uh, I'm sorry. Say that again. What about the court just below this one? What was their ruling? Uh, was it, their, their, ruling, their ruling was a four to three decision in the dissenting justices there were, were, were like were they they were they were very vigorous dissents. I mean one 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 dissent who said one dissenting justice said, you know, I've been a judge for thirty years. I have never seen a case like this. Uh, it was such an <laughs> egregious violation of due process. Wow. Yeah, I mean, so it's uh, yeah. So the okay. Well, what, are you telling me Sotomayor? You're telling me Sotomayor today is going to vote in favor of Donald Trump? Well, it, th- there are there are at least five different reasons, and we've touched on a couple of them. That uh, that President Trump is not disqualified under Section Three for each of the nine. They only have to agree with one of those reasons. So they might be uh, on different opinions. They might decide it on a very narrow basis. I mean, it's it's there are all sorts of like for example, they might they might only agree with the self-executing part, the fact that Congress mm. did enact laws to uh, to. Uh, to enforce Section 3. Uh, that They did that in 1870. Much of that was repealed in 1894. Then there were other parts that were, that were reconfigured in the year 1948. And after 1948, there was one federal law left on the books called 
insurrection. It's 18 U.S. Code, Section 2383. And so even if they were to just say, okay, that's the law that Congress put on the books, then they just have to ask, was Donald Trump ever convicted of insurrection? And the response is not only was he never convicted, he was never even charged. He was never indicted with insurrection. <laughs> so, it's like, so it's like there is a law on the books. But for whatever reason, the powers that be didn't think they had the evidence to be able to convict them so of it. Good. And so, so the justices could be, you know, some of them might be on a real narrow ground like that to say, oh, we're not going to say whether they could have. We're just going to say they did not. Okay. Uh, we got to run, Ken. When, is, when are we going to get a decision out of this? Well, that, that's a great question. Uh, it is um, it, it, the, the briefing on this was done on an emergency basis. You know, normally these things take months of briefing and argument. Instead, it was done in just a couple of weeks. Hmm. It was, you know, I, I, we were writing that brief. We were we were building the airplane as we were flying. <laughs> it, and I wish I would have had a I wish I would have had a couple more weeks to to help assist on some other aspects and keep polishing it. So when, when they're doing it on such an emergency basis, you don't know what they're thinking. Uh, huh. th- so there is an argument to be made to say, you know, they could try and have it out in about a month's time or less. On the other hand, this is a historic case. And certainly if they are voting in President Trump's favor, which, again, I, I, I think is, is essentially a foregone conclusion, and it might even be unanimous, as we've discussed, well, then they're not in any hurry. I mean, he, he is. He's dominated the primaries. He's the presumptive nominee. It could be any time between March and the end of June. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, this is so great. I love this stuff. I love this. Uh, especially when we're winning. Uh, Ken Klukowski, <laughs> Breitbart Legal Analyst. Have a wonderful time in the court today, sir. Thank you, Mike. God bless. Talk that is uh, Ken Klukowski right there standing in line to get inside the court. I think they open up the doors in like 20 minutes or something. Thanks for listening to Breitbart News Daily. We have a lot to talk with John Nolte about tomorrow in the entertainment world. Uh, I want to ask him about the streaming sports bundle, tons of Disney news uh, as well. He's always on on that beat. Uh, and it's always just great to talk to John Nolte. We'll do that tomorrow at 8 o'clock. I got stars in my